Hello and what's up world? I'm your host Kareem Rahma and you're listening to You People, a conversational podcast series sharing real stories from the diverse voices shaping modern America today. We are recording in New York City with Listening Party inside Canal Street Radio. You People is produced by Hyphen Media, an entertainment company focused on telling colorful stories. We're going to have a pretty cool show today. This is the first time that we featured an entrepreneur on You People. So I'm really excited to introduce you to Ajay Mehta, an Indian-American entrepreneur living in New York City. Ajay is an entrepreneur and the founder of Birthdate Candles, a genius business that creates personalized candles based on the day you were born, fusing astrology, self-care, personality, and custom scents into one amazing package. Birthdate Candles has taken the internet by storm and was written about in Elite Daily, Bustle, uh, Apartment Therapy, BuzzFeed, The Skim, and so many more. Before Birthdate Candles, Ajay led product development for Wealthsimple. And before that, he was on the founding team at Tilt, which went on to be acquired by Airbnb. He started his first company, Family Leaf, right out of college with seed investment from Y Combinator. So I wanted to start the conversation today by asking you what your sign is. Oh, man. I'm a cancer. Oh, um, my. I know. I know. It's, I'm never really happy to be a cancer. When I started reading about it and learning about it, I was just... Oh, it's, it's not the best sign you can be, but it's honestly so accurate. And I have taken on the mantle of being a cancer and I live that every day now. Yeah. What are you? I'm a cancer. You're a cancer. Yeah, yeah. We're cancer guys. <laughs> oh my God. I think it's the best sign though. Do you really explain that? My experience of being a cancer is that I'm extremely emotional. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be a pretty good trait mm -hmm. in this world of cynicism and kind of like hiding behind let's call it a Capricorn's yeah. wall. Yeah. I like And robots, you know, <laughs> we're human. Real, real emotions, robots. Emotions. Yeah. So I, what, what is the thing that you don't like about it? Ah, oh, man, it's, it's a little bit of a wussier sign. <laughs> you know, we're emotional, we're, we're sensitive. All these things are obviously good qualities, but I remember first reading about it when I was like a teenager, be like, ah, oh, I'm a cancer. Leos are brave and outgoing and I'm a cancer. You know, I'm guarded and emotional and sensitive. It's just not the classic young masculine vibe. Right. But obviously, I now live it and I love it. And it's it's great to be a cancer. We're loyal. We're great friends. Great lovers. I guess. Yeah. I think. I believe. <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly not certain. That's amazing. I yeah. didn't, For everyone listening, we did not plan that. I had no idea that Ajay mm -hmm. was a cancer. That's why we got um, along so well. But it's a nice, nice little surprise wow. to start the show. Beautiful. I'm very excited. <laughs> so Ajay, let's yeah. talk about your childhood and adolescence. I'm, I'm really curious as to what it was like. I know you grew up in Seattle. Mm -hmm. You know, how was it growing up in Seattle? Seattle is all right. I mean, Seattle is there. I mean, I think there are definitely worse places to grow up. It's one of those cities where everyone from there or who has opted to live there thinks of it as sort of like the best place, which is annoying. <laughs> it's a, And it's not true about anywhere, let alone Seattle. It's definitely not true about Seattle. So, you know, it's it's that has kind of irked me as I've gotten a little bit older. But I mean, it was a great place to grow up. It's obviously liberal, which, you know, could have grown up in like Tennessee or something. But it's not very diverse, unfortunately. It's like, and it really wasn't diverse when I was growing up. And now it's getting more diverse. I mean, there's lots more, there's a larger Asian population. It's unfortunately still not very diverse in other ways. Like there's not a very big black or Latinx population. And that's really kind of warping the city. And, you know, tech has warped the city. So, I mean, it was all right. And did, <laughs> did you find a community of people who 
look like you, for example, when you were young? Or were you just kind of like uh, a brown thumb in a, in a white finger? I was world? a little bit of a brown thumb in a white and Asian. <laughs> this is also a new, this is a new term. <laughs> yeah, it's a new. And uh, we're coining you, it today. Yeah, brown thumb. You're a brown, a brown thumb in a white thumb. It's like a green thumb. Yeah. It's like, Same you know, thing. being good with plants. But I, yeah, no, I was a little bit of a brown thumb. It was white kids. And then it was a lot of Asian kids, East Asian kids. You know, my best friend was Taiwanese. One of my best friends was a Chinese American. It was like a lot, interestingly, a big East Asian population, but really not a large kind of South Asian population at the time that I was growing up. Although now it's totally changed. My little, I have a little brother who's much younger than me. He's 15 and he is in high school and the same middle school and same high school I went to. And his class is like one third South Asian. Wow. Because I grew up kind of close to Microsoft and stuff like that. So a lot of people have moved to that region and just had kids and like, you know, just are, are making it super desi, you know, uh, desi being people from South Asia. Like it's wild. It's like, there's all these restaurants that have opened up. There's like an Indian grocery store. It's so different from when I grew up because when I grew up, it was like, you know, it was like, you smell like curry. and. Yeah. Like, like, oh, that's just and sad. like thank I mean, you come again, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> Apu stuff. But, but <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to get into this. But what is your opinion on Apu? Oh, uh, I don't mind Apu. It's one of those things that I feel like most brown people don't actually give a shit. It was just I actually heard "Thank you, come again" all the time, right? Which is just hilarious. I didn't. <laughs> I. <laughs> it's it's funny. It's not like you know. I didn't. I didn't mind it. I didn't really understand where it was from because I think I didn't really grow up with The Simpsons. I grew up with like SpongeBob and Family Guy and stuff. But um, I like Apu. I yeah. don't mind him. I'm team Apu. You're team Apu. And so your parents, mm-hmm. they immigrated to the States or were they born here? My mom was actually born here. Okay. And I grew up with her. She was born here and she grew up in like rural Canada. But she's Indian. She's Indian. Yeah, okay. she's she's super Indian. But it's so weird because she's Indian and she grew up in rural Canada, like Newfoundland. I don't do you even know where that is. No. It's an island off the northeast coast of Canada. It's like north of Maine. Wow. It's the closest part of North America to Europe. It's super fucking rural. Wow. Yeah. Oh, can I swear on this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's super rural. It's a strange place, honestly. And it's super Irish. And so when she was growing up, it was like total, she was like a true brown thumb. Right. You know? And my dad though is like straight up from India, from Bombay, but they got divorced when I was three and I grew up living with my mom and stuff. So that was, she was the most formative person on me. Did she influence you to be more Indian or did she kind of let you do your thing as an American kid? As weird as it sounds, she was like the kind of wannabe Indian, but really couldn't back it up in a weird way. Like she cared a lot about the culture, you know, wanted to make the food, wanted to like just be Indian because that's how she was raised and thinking that was the right way to be and traditional blah, blah, blah. But she just didn't have, like her parents didn't teach her Hindi or Gujarati, which is sort of our mother tongue. And she didn't know the language. She didn't really know how to cook the food very well. She didn't, like, she just wasn't as Indian as I think she felt. And so it was weird growing up with that because she kind of never, she tried to keep pushing me to go to temple and stuff, but like she didn't do any of that stuff. So it was, there wasn't a lot of force behind it. That sounds like my current identity, which mm. is an Egyptian person. That is very bad at speaking Arabic. Uh, yeah. But definitely does not cook the food. Yeah. Like, I mean, me too. Same yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so now I'm curious, her parents mm-hmm. moved here. Her parents moved here in the era where it was like, you saw a brown person on the street and you stop them. You're like, invite them into your house almost. Like, wow. they, you know, it was like, you're, you're from India. Like, what's that like? They're, what you've seen elephants. What are elephants like? It was like, because this is like the 50s. You know what I'm it's saying? Exotic. It was very different. Because it so. was different. <laughs> Yeah, the exotic stuff. It was weird. It was like, and they have just been one of the, those immigrants. My mom's parents have been one of those families that just went straight to like the most rural places. So like Newfoundland was a great example. They lived for 20 plus years. They lived in Nebraska and then they lived in rural Maryland. 
And now, right now, they're in their late mid eighties. They live in rural Pennsylvania, like kind of Pennsylvania, like Trump oh. country. It's weird. They've just moved in all these super rural. You know how there are those immigrant families? I feel like it's not so much a thing anymore because I think now people move to a community. Right. Because why wouldn't you? It's way better. But they haven't done that. I want to see what your grandpa looks like. Does he like wear oh, like, dude, like I, a little hat? Like not not like not a little Indian hat, but like does he wear like a hat, a hat does, like, No, does he look like <laughs> Farmer Bob? Is uh, what I'm saying. Like, does your grandpa look like a like a white guy oh, oh. in you know, like is like he a wearing a cap? Yeah, like is he wearing no, no, like a yeah, rural? He like does he drive a pickup truck? It's like J C Penny, you know, he's not like conservative or anything. It's weird that he just, but he's definitely been super Americanized. I mean, both of them have. Yeah, oh. I can show you some photos. You would love them. I'll show you them after this. But they're great. That's he's, amazing. Yeah, there's a crazy photo of them in front of this, like in this brand new sports car kind of thing, in in the fifties in Toronto, which is where they used to live before they had my mom. And it's just wild. It's like my grandpa in a suit in front of this car and then my grandma in the sari, you know, like it's super like Reddit, old school, cool kind of vibes. You know? <laughs> yeah. So you didn't have like much of an identity crisis growing up. It sounds like you kind of embraced the American side of you and mm. it's, you know, maybe your mom was accepting of that and not necessarily like trying to put any limitations on you because you're Indian. Like you can't do this because you're Indian or that's not our culture. It sounds yeah. like she had already kind of accepted a lot of the American ideology and a lot of the American traditions. And so your own upbringing like felt typically American. In a way, yes. But there still always is the kind of third culture thing and there's the skin color thing. And so it, I think, yes, from my mom, she did not force me to be super traditional Indian. And I'm super, I feel very lucky. And I know a lot of people obviously have kind of been through that experience and it's tough. But at the same time, growing up in this kind of Indian culture, my dad was much more traditional Indian. You know, he's actually from there. And so I still had that part of my culture. And and it's still, it's something that other kids make you feel too. And other people make you feel. It's like you right. are Indian, you are different. You are not, you know, a part of the mainstream or the majority or whatever. So I, I definitely still went through parts of that. But yeah, not for my mom, which right. was really, I feel very grateful, honestly. And so elementary school, mm -hmm. a breeze. Yeah. Friends. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of racism that <laughs> they didn't, that they didn't, yeah, that they didn't know was racism at the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was middle a, school yeah. similar experience. Like things were pretty good. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like it was. You know, we, I was like a nerdy kid, and I was in with the, all the Asian crew, and I kind of identified more as Asian. I wanted to be Asian sometimes more than white, to be honest, dude. I, I mean, for sure. You know, you watch Disney Channel or whatever, and you're like, oh, these white people are so cool and so beautiful. I want to be like them, but. Asians were like way cooler to me, honestly. Like it was, you know, everyone was playing cool, like awesome games, like kind of like Korean MMOs and like just really deep. I like, I was like a super nerd. I modded my PlayStation to play Japanese video games and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? RPGs, I was so into. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> and you have such amazing hair. Oh, it thank doesn't you necessarily too. <laughs> go with the personality. Oh, thank of you. Being a huge the hair has been this long for. A while. It looks great. Oh, I you. love it. Yours too. So thank let's you. let's let's flash forward to college. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you had a pretty cool experience because it's kind of broken up into mm. two chapters. Mm -hmm. You've got NYU mm -hmm. and then a special little break in the middle, which I'll let you talk about. Sure. And then Columbia. Yep. In both in New York. So yes. you, you went to college in New York twice in yeah. two different colleges. Yeah, yeah. And then spent a two years. I guess it's kind of like a gap year in a, a way. A little bit. Tell me about like yeah. what made you take the time off. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will say, if there's anyone listening to this that's like in high school or, or in college even, like take time off. Like it's my biggest piece of advice. It's weird because I kind of lucked into it. I mean, I lucked into it. 
I just kind of randomly did it. It turned out the way for me. But like, it was just such a cool experience to come back to school and then feel like, wow, like I've seen what the real world is like. And like, I'm back in school now. And That's school amazing. is such a different thing. It's like not real life, right? right? You can do whatever you want and you can spend your time doing whatever you want. You can wake up whenever you want. The grades don't matter. You know, and I think you realize that after you've been trying to work in the real world. But yeah, I went to NYU. I was studying business, which I did not really enjoy at all. It just felt like something that my that I felt like I needed to do. I needed to do something that would make money or whatever. I was really kind of into tech startups from a pretty young age. I interned at Zillow back when I was in, uh, in high school. And I ended up working on little web projects and getting into this incubator, Y Combinator, out in Silicon Valley. It's out in Mountain View, California, which is kind of like sub- super suburban Silicon Valley. And I got in my, I guess it was my sophomore year at NYU with a really good friend of mine from home. And we were just like this, we, neither of us were liking college very much. And it seemed like just a great opportunity. So we were like, let's leave, let's move out West and let's just like drop out of school. And my parents were like, what are you doing? Like, what the fuck are you doing? They just didn't understand it at all. But, you know, I kind of just convinced them into it, I guess. I was like, this is going to be a great opportunity and I'll go back to school at some point, which I did do. But yeah, I ended up moving out to Silicon Valley working, starting a startup called Family Leaf. Worked on it for about a year, year and a half. Ended up selling it and moving to this other startup, Tilt, which is a crowdfunding company. A whole journey up and down, you know, in and of itself. But yeah, I kind of had this two, two and a half year interlude in Silicon Valley before I came back. That's crazy. Mm. And were you like nervous? It felt like the right thing to be doing. I felt like being in school at that point didn't I wasn't enjoying it. And I kind of appreciated this chance to like take on a bunch of risk. And I felt, hey, like I'm young. This is a good thing to be doing. This is a good time to be doing this. I'm going to do it at all, you know? But you're young, but you have like a pretty old man sensibility in your mind (laughs) to be able to say like, I'm going to control this. I'm going to leave and I'm going to come back. And the reason I'm going to do it is because I'm unhappy at the moment. Mm -hmm. Like that's a very mature kind of sensibility to have. You think, oh, thank you. You know, I'd look back on it and every all the decisions we we're making seem like so insanely stupid <laughs> that it's like, that was absurd that we did all that. But like, yeah, it was, it was, it felt like a good opportunity. It felt like the right thing to do. And I was just following my, I guess, excitement and heart in a certain way. And how old were you? Uh, I guess I was 19 then, right? Sophomore year. Wow. What was I doing when I was 19? I don't remember. That's, that, <laughs> I, should t- I should tell you all you need to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but wait, so let's rewind a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so yeah. you had an internship at Zillow in high school. Mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. were you doing for Zillow? I was sort of like the young intern. I was just like the, I was literally the intern. I was paid minimum wage. And I, you know, I just worked for uh, different kind of executives. there, almost just doing like little errands. I was also like the only, there were, the company was kind of run by like older entrepreneurs. that didn't really know what they were doing. I mean, it's an incredible company, obviously, but like, I was just a young person who understood like Twitter and blogging. And so like I set up the Zillow Twitter, you know, this is 2010, 2009. So like set up the Zillow Twitter, wrote blog posts for them. Like it was just kind of like classic internet stuff that a lot of people probably could have done, but I just wanted it and worked really hard at it. I wouldn't underestimate it though. I mean, in 2011 or 2010, like mm. not a lot of people could have done what you did, no. you know, because I, I had a similar experience where mm-hmm. like I worked in an ad agency not in high school. I was my during college. Mm-hmm. I was an intern, and they appointed me and this other guy who was very smart. Shout out Jared Roy. Jared, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to start the entire social media division. Oh, okay. And at the wow. time, yeah, he was. He still is a really cool guy, uh-huh. but I think he must have been like thirty-five okay. or, or thirty-two at the time, mm-hmm. and, and I was twenty-two. Oh wow, yeah. But they were like you guys do this. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. he was awesome because he let me do it with him. But yeah. it was definitely like one of those things where like, 
everything was changing so yeah, rapidly. Yeah. Like Twitter just came out like on Facebook. I was like looking at my Facebook memories yeah. and I saw one of the memories. It was like, hey, everyone, you can now create pages for things yeah. like brands. Yeah. Check out my page for XYZ product. Yeah. yeah. And like at that time, it actually felt like we were doing like complex, uh, yeah. you know, like tasks. <laughs> totally. Because like, totally. they it also so didn't, they yeah. didn't know what they were doing either. Like Facebook yeah. was like, okay, like every brand in the world can have a page now. Mm -hmm. But like, what are you supposed to what do with you that? Do that. You know, so that's actually like an interest. I would, I wouldn't, downplay your role in making that happen. I, I honestly, it was so lucky for me because honestly, like I just learned so much about the world. Man, I showed up to the interview in literally a full suit and it was the only suit that I had and I was like, I was in jazz band and stuff growing up. I was like, I played guitar. So like I literally had this like full like black suit with a white shirt and a black tie and I showed it to my interview where I'm interviewing with these executives at this like hot startup in Seattle, Zillow. They'd raised millions of and dollars. And you're 17. I'm 17, yeah. And I, and I walk into this room and I'm sitting across from them in a full suit. They're wearing like fucking flip-flops and shit. <laughs> wearing a black suit like you would wear to a funeral, literally. That is amazing. <laughs> I love that. And I just was so embarrassed the second I walked in the interview. And then I, they still gave me the job. Thank God. I mean, like, my God. Dress, Actually, I'm blushing thinking about it right now. Dress for the job you want. <laughs> funeral <laughs> home director. Funeral attendee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so internship at Zillow happens. Uh -huh. You're like... I like this. Mm -hmm. I think business is cool. Yep. I, th I think technology is interesting. I mm -hmm. like it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to business school. Mm -hmm. yeah. Go to NYU. Mm -hmm. But you don't like business school. No, business school is, I don't, it's not, it's not how you actually do business. I mean, the business, the kind of interesting businesses that, you know, we've been a part of or whatever are just not, it's just not like you learn that business school. Business it's not school like is in a all, case study. It's like so corporate, man. It's not cool, to be honest at all. And so you don't like it. And so you go, I'm going to just start a company mm -hmm. and learn how to do it. Apply yep. to Y Combinator, move to San Francisco with your friend. Yeah. Start yeah. the company. Yeah. yeah. Sell the company, uh -huh. which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Join another startup. That company gets sold. Yeah. Eventually. Yep. yep. You come back to New York City and roll at Columbia. Mm -hmm. and what do you do there? I majored in computer science. I was always, I just was like, if I'm going to go back to school and like pay all this money and whatever, I like might as well learn some skills. You know what I mean? There's still a part of me that's like Indian in that way where it's like, I got to learn some skills. And I, <laughs> I would have loved to have gone to school and just been like art history, baby. Like, you know, but it just wasn't. You I just that, couldn't do it. That practical knowledge. It had to happen, you know? That's funny. My dad, I, I, th I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast before, but this is the analogy that I'm going to use uh -huh. is that when we used to go to like all you can eat restaurants, mm -hmm. my dad would be like, you can only eat things that we can't eat at home. <laughs> so like... Crab legs. Oh, that's awesome. Like shrimp. Oh. Lobster. I would like try to sneak some macaroni and cheese. Yeah. And he would be like, no. <laughs> Don't fill up on macaroni and cheese. Don't eat salad. <laughs> Don't eat bread. Like you pretty much you have one option, like uh, crab legs. Yeah, yeah. Like it's all like, you yeah. can eat crab legs. Like the, the expensive stuff. Yeah. Like exactly. you know, that's how you maximize but the buffet pot. Price. It kind of reminds me of that yeah, same totally. philosophy of like, if I'm gonna go to college, mm -hmm. I'm gonna learn how to do something. Learn. I'm not just gonna learn. Exactly. You learn how to do a thing. Yes. Acquire some skills. And unfortunately, those humanity skills are just not valued. And I mean a lot of our cultures, right? It's it's kind of a bummer. But I ended up uh, taking a bunch of humanities classes because this is also a period where I started to get more in touch with my culture. I was like, wow, like there's this whole world of like being Indian that I just have never really exposed myself to. And 
Because you'd, you'd never that. been to India. I've been, oh, I've okay. been growing up a couple of times, but it was just like going, you go and you like sit in the house and like visit your family. And I was always, I mean, I don't know if you can relate to this or did, have you, had you been to Egypt when you yeah, were young? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, I, all, I, did, I just was like at home. Yeah, same. I mean, I, I don't know if you relate to that. I was, I was like literally the biggest brat. I mean, all the American kids were like the biggest brats out there, right? Because it's like you sit in the house, like it's hot, it's dirty. They don't have the food I like, you know. The mattress is too hard. Uh, yeah, literally like it's not comfortable. And like, why are there seven people in this house? <laughs> Uh, or whatever, you know, it's just like, oh, it's so bratty. When looking back on it, it's like so embarrassing. It, it is. Just is I agree. It just is what I felt at that age when you were seven. It's like, where are the cool toys? Like, how can I plug in my PS2 or whatever? It was, oh God, it was such a dick. But at the time, so, so yeah. you, oh yeah, so I just got more in touch with my culture. I was, I was like, this is time, I'm going to take some classes on Indian literature and learn about history, like post-colonial history and what the whole deal was with Gandhi and Ambedkar and all these people that like were influential and important in the culture and like learn what was going on. I just felt I never learned any of that stuff. And it felt really cool to learn because it felt like I was tied to this larger thing of like what an incredible place South Asia is and India is and the just fascination of, of all of it. But like, I just didn't know any of it growing up. You never learn it. Right. And then, so you also spent a summer in New Delhi working for a radical political magazine called The Caravan. Like I did, yeah. So you had been to India a couple of times with your family. Mm-hmm. And then what made you decide to like move to India for a while? I was like in love with this magazine, dude. It's it's honestly, the media scene in India is very scary. It's like kind of like right now, very almost like controlled by the government. It's an oligopoly. It's like they're super pro. The current government is super nationalist and right wing. It's, it's really a bummer. But this magazine is like the one that's constantly out there like writing about corporations that are empowered, politicians that are empowered, doing deep like investigative journalism. And it's just like such a cool, admirable thing that they're doing. And I found out about it when I was in college and I was like, part of me always thought like, I want to write, I want to be a journalist or something. I actually interned after Silo, this is my freshman year in my I interned at Gawker. <laughs> that must have been <laughs> Which an amazing is, experience. It was wild. I mean, actually it was the worst fucking internship I've ever had in my life. Worst job I've ever had in my life. I love Gawker and I miss it dearly, but like it was the worst job I've ever Why? had. Why? My job was, I just want to tell you, it's, it's so awful. My job was, I worked for Gawker TV, which was the like TV arm. They were trying to like cover TV and videos, I guess at the time. And my entire job was to record on this iMac. They had the software that could record TV, record morning shows like Fox and Friends, the Today Show, come into the office, watch them at like 2x speed and try to find out where they said like something really stupid and then clip it out and be like, check out what Steve Ducey said on Fox and Friends. Like, what a moron. <laughs> it was, that was my job. Sounds, and I was unpaid, obviously. Unfortunately, that sounds like the jobs that many people currently have. Oh, God. Okay, well, then don't post that. No, no, no. No, I'm not. I'm saying it as like a sad yeah. and depressing. Like, yeah. That's like the weird information warfare oh. that we're currently experiencing. Man. Like you were at the early end of it. It was early. They actually shut down Gawker TV like right after I finished that internship. You know, they like ended it. Yeah. You were a star employee. <laughs> it wasn't that soon. They after. didn't want it to go on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it was unpaid. And then for obviously, I mean, for literally years afterwards, and I have no idea how they found my address and stuff, but they would send me, I would get sent, not from Gawker, physical mail about joining a class action lawsuit against Gawker for having unpaid interns. Wow. For years afterwards. In San Francisco, they got my address. They said, I don't even know how they did it. And you were like, leave me alone. I was like, what? My I worked, you know, I worked for like two months, a couple of days a week, and I was unpaid at minimum wage when I like it's a couple hundred bucks. Like it's it's not gonna be important and it's not worth getting involved. But and I liked Gawker. I didn't want to sue them. I liked them. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I know it was it was probably one of those Peter Thiel funded situations. <laughs> so so um you were interested in journalism and mm-hmm. And you got that little bit of experience in college yeah. and then decided to take it to the next yeah, I level. Wanted to, I wanted to live in India for a summer because I wanted to have the chance to like just 
be in a place like Delhi with such extreme intense history and architecture and art and just look around and walk around all day and stuff like that. And then also I wanted the experience of working at this really cool magazine that I kind of I respected to a crazy level. And I got to write about stuff. I got to write about, I wrote about the website Quora, question and answer website and how it had a ton of, you know, South Asian people get on and how there was ended up being a bunch of racism on the site of people feeling like Indians ruined the site or whatever. I didn't know um, about that. It was wild. And it was just like, it was, it was cool to have the chance to like write, investigate and write about stuff like that. That was right after college? It was during college. Oh, it was during college. Summer, yeah. Yeah, you have a very, very motivated (laughs) schedule (laughs) of events. And I guess my question is, it sounds like you take a lot of risks. Mm. Does that feel in line with like your personality or do you kind of have to push yourself to make these big, these seemingly big decisions that now like seem to work out just fine for you? I think it just looks like a good story if you look back or something like that. But it's like at the time, it was just like, oh, I'm just really interested in doing this thing. I'm just going to try to go do it. And there's the kind of, I have that baseline of anxiety or nervousness. It's just like, I just need to go do that thing. You know, I need to go try that and see what that's like, or at least try to do it. And for all these things that I have done, the couple of things that I have done, there's a long list of the things that I tried to do and didn't do or whatever, you know. But when you did them, you never, did you feel like I shouldn't be doing this? Like, I should finish college or like I sh- maybe I shouldn't live in India right now. Like I should finish college oh, yeah. first. Or I like- mean, the self-doubting thing, obviously I've definitely have felt that so much. So you, you know, just push like, through what it. What am I doing? Yeah. Or like, what am I, you know, at one point I had like a kind of fancy consulting internship as well. And then I turned down that offer and all of my uncles and aunts, people that work in uh, business or whatever that I knew, family, friends were like, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Why would you turn down the offer from this firm? Like, that's really stupid. And I was, I doubted myself a ton. I was like, should I have done that? Am I, but now I, it's like one of the best decisions I made. Imagine if I was stuck in that hellhole for years, you know? Right. And so during college, you mm-hmm. kind of start understanding what you like. Yeah. Right. You're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to do computer science because mm-hmm. it's practical. It still has applications in the business world. Yeah. I'm going to study some of the humanities, mm-hmm. learn about, you know, Indian literature, et cetera. Yeah. So you kind of like cobble together your interests into mm-hmm. something that worked for you. Yeah. You graduate. Yeah. What happens next? I graduated and I wasn't exactly sure what to do. And then I had these friends that had started Wealth Simple, which is an awesome company. It's basically a really easy way for people to start investing in kind of low cost, passive index fund portfolios. As I'm describing it, it's like you're falling asleep right now, but it is an important service and it's important to have people with no minimums kind of be able to start investing in an accessible, easy way. And I was inspired by what they were doing and I joined them and they were on this kind of ramp up big startup journey and it was exciting. And actually they had launched in Canada and we're doing super well in Canada. And um, I helped them get launched in the US and the UK and led a lot of product development stuff there. It was a really great experience. Uh, You know, fintech, financial tech, not necessarily my life's passion, but it was just a, it was a great job. It was a really cool team and I, I enjoyed working with them. I remember when you worked there, Mm -hmm. I actually ended up reading I think you were director of content maybe for some of it. Yeah, I worked on the content stuff. Yeah, and I, I did read some articles that I thought were really interesting and like did actually position investing as something really interesting. Oh yeah, we did inter- yeah, we did interviews with like people like Anthony Bourdain, right, and stuff and where he would talk about how he didn't have a savings account until he was like 40, didn't pay his taxes for 10 years at some point. You know, like he just, he like was so brutally and honest and, and bare about his like experience with money and learning how to deal with it and all that. And it was just like, stuff like that is just so fascinating. I think it's like so interesting for people to hear that even people who seem like they have a lot figured out don't necessarily have it figured out when it comes to money. 
And I think it helps everyday people also feel more like comfortable with what they're doing with their money. I felt like the one that I I really remember it was about like sneakers. It was like yeah, it was like <laughs> if you, yeah, it was like I forgot what the whole yeah. thing was. Yeah, it remember? was it was just like why sneakers can actually be like an amazing investment, basically, like right. how it's almost like investing in art or like something. Yeah. It yeah. was like if you bought a pair of Yeezys yeah. on this day, yeah. now they would be worth like 15 grand. Right. And it was sort of like a, a, a data piece about that. Yeah. But to also probably get kids to think about flipping sneakers as like not just a side hustle, yeah. but it's like a way to actually grow their wealth 100%. significantly, yeah. which I thought was really cool. And so now mm-hmm. that takes us to the era of birth date candles, yeah, yeah. which I feel like is such a good idea. It's one <laughs> of those ideas that I'm sure every person that saw it was like, fuck, I wish I, <laughs> I wish I would have thought about that. Because it's so simple mm-hmm. of an idea, probably a very difficult execution. Mm-hmm. But the idea is just like a perfect sell. Mm-hmm. Now, like, how did you come up with it? I've been into astrology for a little while. I mean, honestly more recently kind of kicked off with that app CoStar and how cool it is. I, I love that app. I'm sure that everyone used that. And I, but I've been into it for a while because I remember actually it's big in Indian culture and I know it's big in Chinese culture as well. And astrology is just one of those things that people have been looking to for thousands of years. It's such a fascinating thing. Like before it predates all religion, right? Because it's like what people thought of as religion before like they believed in God or Jesus or whatever. So I think astrology is fascinating. I've always been fascinated by astrology and I also remember having those like kind of birthday based books when I was younger. You know, that book, there was a book that came out in like the 80s that was like secret language of birthdays, you know, like sort of how birthdays and astrology and tarot and numerology can all kind of combine together to make this really like beautiful, these beautiful personality assessments and horoscopes, right? That are addictive. It's kind of thing you open up the book, you want to read yours, your siblings, your friends, your parents, whatever. So astrology is so fun too. I think the reason it's, it's, it's so big right now and I don't know exactly why I feel like I should ask you but I think it might be the apps. Yeah, maybe it's the apps. But I think the apps have created a resurgence. There, but there's also something about how it's just a way of like meeting our relationship with other people, right? And it's like, what right. is that? It's like a, it gives me a reason to talk. Like it gave me a reason to talk to you that we're both cancers. Like, what does that mean about us? Like, right. It means that we were both born in the same 30 day period. But like, but it gave, it gives us a reason to talk about our similarities, which is cool. You know, it's almost like kind of like group therapy or something like that. That's another way to relate. Totally. Totally. So that was the, I kind of saw astrology getting really big and then just wanted to make a really cool, compelling product. Also had always wanted to work on a consumer product. And so I worked on it with a friend of mine who has done a number of consumer products. And I had only worked on software. And the feeling that you see when someone holds something physical in their hands and reacts to it is so different. You never hear anyone raving about software. No one's ever like, even for Wealth Simple or whatever, with people like, like you never heard people really being that active about loving it. It was like a few people a month or a year, right? Whereas this, it's like everyone that holds a candle and they, they like it and it smells good and they burn it. They're just like, this is amazing. I love this. It's such a great gift, blah, blah, blah. It's like people have a visceral reaction to something physical that is so different. And I mean, as someone who had only worked on internet stuff before, it was a huge change and it was so much more fun. It was so much more rewarding immediately. You know? I bet it felt really good. It felt great in a way that was just so different. Yeah. And so when you thought of the idea, mm-hmm. how long did it take from idea to launch day? Yeah. A while, mainly because I was still working a full-time job and, and we were busy doing other stuff. But probably we had the idea like a year and a half ago. And then I left my job in February and then started actively working on getting this thing ready to go. And we launched in June. So it was, you know, it was like a year plus of work that we definitely put into it, but 
not a ton of time. You know, I think a lot of, I mean, given that we just sell directly online, we sell directly through our website. So it's not like we had to develop relationships with like Walmart or whatever, you know? Right. So I think it's a different, we live in a new world where you can like really like get a new brand up and running kind of fast. And was it fun to like figure out how to make candles? So much fun. <laughs> so different. Yeah. I mean, it's slower, obviously, than like building an app or a website, but it's also like just not as complicated or it's complicated in a different way where like the questions we were dealing with is are like, what kind of wax should we use? You know, like what kind of, like going to a fragrance lab <laughs> that like developed all of our fragrances and like working, like working really closely on all this, all these details that were still tangible things. Right. It was so fun. So the fragrance lab, 365 different? We don't have that many different okay. scents, but it's a mix of many scents that Got then it. every single candle is uniquely personalized Got uh, with like a personalized horoscope reading on the front and the back. But honestly, you can't make that many good scents. So yeah. <laughs> and did you, when you had the idea where you like, this is definitely the one, like did, did it identify as like, because I'm sure you have like a fat list yeah. in your notes app that's like, <laughs> you don't have some of mine. I'll give you, I'll give you one right now. Let's hear it. This one has been in my I notes app. Wait. It's been in my notes app for Please. a long time. I think it's a really good idea, especially with, and maybe it's a bad idea to, for me to say it on this podcast. Oh. But, you know, with all of the meat alternatives, uh-huh. I've had this idea for maybe five years before, okay. before Impossible okay. and before Beyond. Uh-huh. But I was thinking about chicken wings. <laughs> As one does. As one does. And I was like, you know, there's not like, there's like veggie chicken nuggets or vegan chicken nuggets yep. or like soy nuggets, yep. right? Yep. But you don't get the experience of like the drumstick. Tearing it off. The bones. The, the bones, yeah. So I was like, why don't I develop like a material mm. that looks like a bone, like mm-hmm. a mold, mm-hmm. like a wing mold. Mm-hmm. And you just put the meatless thing. Uh-huh onto this bone mold <laughs> and then you can deep fry it. Yeah. And like whether it's cauliflower or meatless stuff. And this and thing's not edible. This is like a bone. No, no, no. It's like a bone. It's, okay, a, re- yeah, yeah. it's a reusable it's bone. It's a reusable bone. Yeah. Oh, for shit. meatless chicken wings. Dude. And so then you just deep fry like like it would just be like wings. You would just yeah. make wings except yeah. then the vegetarian and vegan people could actually <laughs> eat wings and like discard the bone. That feels so good when you yeah. eat a wing and yeah, discard the bone. the bone. Yeah, It's like dishwasher safe. You just clean them up again and then yeah. toss them right back in. Make new, it's dishwasher like, safe. I don't know. I th- is it like a residential product? I got all these product? bones in my dishwasher, man. It's, uh, <laughs> is, it a, is it a residential product for like homes or is it a restaurant product? Um, mm-hmm. Could be something that works in mm-hmm. restaurants. Because like who makes wings at home really is my question. It's do true. people do that? I don't, I've, ne- I've never done that. I'm sure there's somebody out there on Pinterest. I'm sure people do, yeah. Looking at a recipe yeah, for wings. I think it's got to right be now. a restaurant thing, though. But isn't that, is yeah. it's it, kind of a good I, idea. I love it. I think it's an amazing <laughs> idea. I think we're heading to a world where that idea is real. I'm not even joking. Uh, that is going to happen. <laughs> and I think it could be you. But so that one has always been back pocket for me, where I'm like, <laughs> maybe I'll do it someday. Yeah. But I haven't been like, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about, you know, the need to do this moment. I like didn't think it was going to be a really big thing necessarily. It was just a fun project. I was leaving my job. I was like not exactly sure what to do next. And like it was a fun idea. It was not that complicated to pull off. I also just thought it was fun to kind of be a part of this like global conversation around astrology that's happening. So I thought it would be just a fun thing to launch and that it was kind of time sensitive in that way because astrology, I mean, it doesn't really show any signs of slowing down right now. But even when I started working on this, it felt like maybe, hey, maybe this is a fad. So maybe it's time to got to get this out there before it kind of stops being a fad. But, you know, I think it really hasn't been a fad astrology in general. And so we kind of got lucky there, but didn't necessarily expect it to kind of blow up the way it has. It's been like a nice surprise. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Are you thinking now about 
potentially expanding into other goods. Yeah, definitely. I think that the kind of personalization of it being just for your birthday is really fun. And I think you could do that with a ton of other products. So like, you know, I don't want to give away trade secrets here on the podcast. Not like your bones. Let's just say pants. <laughs> birthday pants. <laughs> yeah, they just have your birthday just plastered all over them. And just July 15th, yeah. 1986. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. And I then hope. we have we have the convict model guy just model them. <laughs> What's his name? I don't remember. Hot model. Hot model. Hot convict. Hot convict. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. You don't want to butcher it on this no, podcast. No, no, that's bad. So tell me something that many people don't know about you. Oh, man. I know that you, I personally know yeah. from looking at your Instagram that mm-hmm. you have a great pants collection. <laughs> um, I, know, I feel like it's funny that you say that because I actually don't. I rewear the same pants oh, all the time. Maybe I'm just reacting to one pair. <laughs> yeah. They're it's like a, it was striped. a pair from Italy. They're dope. Um, it was uh, from Bologna, a small <laughs> boutique. No, no, no. <laughs> that, is one, that is one good pair of pants I have, but I don't have a large collection. I wish I had more. So that, that's, that's just something that it's many something. people... I honestly... Um, do you have webbed toes? <laughs> oh, my stepdad does. That's, that's something that a lot of people don't know about my stepdad. <laughs> that's, that's actually tight. I knew a kid growing up that had webbed toes. I was always very jealous. Yeah, it was always... Oh, man, it's kind of... Yeah, it was cool for sure. When I first saw that, I was like, this is so weird. Like, what? Why? Some of them are half webbed, you know? It's weird. It's weird. So we're going to settle on that. <laughs> okay, so I have a, another... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a Please. funny question. It sounds like we have a disagreement in regards to Pearl Jam being better oh, than Nirvana. Oh, yeah. And I understand mm-hmm. why you may feel that way. Mm-hmm. I want to hear your rationale. I don't have any. You, what do you mean? I think that Pearl Jam is better than Nirvana. What do you mean no rationale? You got to back that up with something. The, no, no. I just like that opinion. <laughs> you, can't, you, that, you can't have an opinion for that reason. I'm a troll. <laughs> That's a troll opinion. That's literally what a troll opinion is. No, I'm truly a troll. <laughs> That's not... I, I don't actually have a real opinion. There, Pearl Jam is a great band. I'm from Seattle. Pearl Jam is sort of like the bro favorite band of Seattle historically. And like when Eddie Vedder's walking down the street, he'll get mobbed by like... 50 year old men you know it's they're obviously a great band I love Pearl Jam I listen to them sometimes but Nirvana is like genre generation defining it's like oh I mean it's iconic it's iconic tell me about your real unpopular opinion also Soundgarden oh (laughs) Soundgarden's dope your real unpopular opinion my real and popular opinion so this is yeah okay what I wrote down here so this is do you need it yeah sure yeah, I'm not sure it's unpopular, but I think something that I've always kind of wrestled with is what it actually means to be like diverse in America. And this is something in school, right? Like when you see pictures of a classroom or a crowd that's considered diverse, it's just people of different colors. But just because you're, di- that's a form of diversity is different people of different ethnic backgrounds in one place. But there's also like a sort of like cultural, ethnic, personal diversity that I've actually never really felt that much like I had, even though I'm an Indian person growing up in America. It's like, unfortunately, a lot of like, you know, especially the kind of Hindu American background or Hindu background people in India, like there's the caste system, which sort of like ruled big regions for a long period of time and sort of like made, it was all arranged marriage. So like everyone married people from their village, from their even same caste, same profession. And then they would just end up like, popping out these babies that were all exactly the same as them. And it went on for generations and generations. So like my 23 and me is the least diverse thing ever. <laughs> and there's like a lot of white kids in America who are like, I'm Irish and German. And, and those are different cultural and ethnic backgrounds. So like that is interesting to me how I was like the diversity guy in a lot of rooms. But that doesn't necessarily mean my culture is that diverse. And I think actually, if you look at 
a lot of, I'm just going to use my culture's example of kind of Hindu Indian Americans. Like there's a lot of like racism and it's, and especially in the older generations, right? And there's a lot of anti, specifically anti-Muslim sentiment, right? If you think about, they support the current Indian government. There's a lot of like Hindu, Hindu Muslim conflict in India. And it's just sad to like, if you think about someone that actually comes with a diverse state of mind or diverse viewpoint to think that they're actually just like super, super deeply Hindu and anti-Muslim, blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's just a bummer, right? Then it's not real diversity in my mind. Right. I can see that as being an unpopular opinion. <laughs> I can see it being an unpopular I don't disagree. Okay. Agree. I don't okay. I haven't thought about it. Enough. Yeah, I don't think it really is unpopular then. It's just an opinion. It's just an opinion. It's a thought. It's a thought. It's what a good yours? thought though. Oh, yours is the Pearl Jam one. Yeah, yeah. and it's not that serious. Yeah, yeah. But I've ha- I've had a similar reaction, you know, for a long time I was like I'm 100% Egyptian. This mm-hmm. sucks. Mhm. Because I would meet the yeah. other people that were like, oh, like my dad is black and my mom is Irish right. and Italian. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that sounds actually cool. Yeah. Like, I'm just Egyptian. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it, what, exactly. To me, I was like, yeah. this is lame. It's yeah. not that cool. It's, um, it's, so I yeah. do understand what right. you're saying. Yes. I took a 23 in me hoping uh-huh. for... <laughs> Something cool. And what'd you get? I got the same thing that you yeah, got. Which yeah. is like you're a hundred percent North African. Yeah, exactly. I was like, great. Exactly. I was like, I was hoping for like some sort of weird European thing to be yeah. in there, you know. But mm-hmm. I was just like, nope. You are North African right. as they come. No, I, I had a little Ashkenazi Jew, which Whoa. was a little bit of a surprise, but wow. it was it was like two percent or something. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then I also had twenty three of me delete my account. Oh, we were scared of what they were going to do with your data. It just doesn't seem like. The world is yeah. going into a very great protected no. privacy place. So I like emailed them. I was like, "Hi, I have my results. Thank you so much. Please delete That's smart. my data. That's really smart. And DNA. And I hope they did it. That's smart. I mean, it is creepy. It just pops up with like, we found a fifth cousin living in Manitoba. You know, it's so weird. It's like it's weird how it just and it and it immediately identified my like actual uncle and my dad's cousin on the platform. I like looked at it the other day and I was like. Oh yeah, that's my literal uncle who also did it. Who was just also on there. That's so tight. It's so creepy. I love that. <laughs> so you said something really interesting on the intake form that we do here. And I'm, I'm going to quote you. I'm not an artist, but I do feel that in the products and projects I've worked on, I've been able to in- help inject some creativity and newness into our world. This is interesting to me because... I've oftentimes felt that way about myself as well. But I do consider myself now to be more of an artist. I was afraid of the title, Mm -hmm. but I feel like more and more I'm comfortable identifying as such. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're a pretty fearless and driven person. And like, for example, I didn't expect that you'd be a producer of a TV show, which sounds pretty artistic to me. Uh, Tell me more about the show. I will. But I mean, just as a comment on that, I think you are doing things. You're like writing poetry and like all this stuff that is like more traditional art. I guess when I said that, what I meant was like, I think this word artist is like reserved people that are actually just doing things that are pure creative expression. And the things I'm doing are still kind of businessy with a profit motive or whatever, I I just would feel weird, I guess, calling myself an artist. But I always wanted to be an artist. Growing up, I wanted to be a musician or a writer, right? Those were like my dreams of what I wanted to be. Well, you've done it. I mean, you have (laughs) written articles. I have. Thanks. But you know, it's, (laughs) uh, you know what I mean? And I just feel like my version of creative expression, I guess, which isn't necessarily art, but it's like making new things. You could be making all sorts of new things. You could be making the um, Museum of Pizza. You could be making a nonprofit. You could be making a political campaign. You could be running, whatever. Like, just like putting new ideas and things and projects out into the world is 
creativity. That's really what creativity is. And you could be an artist and doing that by like making incredible paintings. But like the way that I've done it is different and I still feel like it is creative. And the show, so the show is, it's called Hey, How You Doing? It was uh, produced in partnership with this channel called Brick, which is a Brooklyn public access TV channel. And I did it with my friend Ashok Kundabolu, who's this super talented, like he used to be in the rap group Das Racist. I don't know if you were a fan of them. Or love that. them. Okay, yeah, he's the man. He was the hype man. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. he was the non-rapper. I, I, which I love. <laughs> I love that. It's so great. Yeah, Dapwell was his name. In there. And so he he's the man. And yeah, he had this idea for the show. It was sort of this continuation of this YouTube series he had been doing that was sort of man on the street style, different neighborhoods in New York. And it extended to this kind of more variety show concept where he interviewed people. We did Aparna Nancherla and John Hodgman and just different people that he would have in the studio, but he would put these kind of like semi-comedian celebrity type figures right next to like his landlord, Mike, and like two teens from New York, you know? So he would just kind of place them <laughs> in these sort of very like New York-centric context. It was a really fun show. We had these little skits and like musical acts and stuff as well. It was so fun. We made two episodes, you know, it aired. It never really got much pickup. We were thinking about, we were trying to like shop it around and see if someone wanted to maybe pick this thing up to like make it happen, but it was just too weird. It's a really weird show. It's at heyhowyoudoing.nyc if anyone wants to find it on the internet, but it's just, a, it was a little oddball and Dap is so funny, but just an oddball guy. I love it. That's so amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I do understand what you're saying about scratching the creative itch mm -hmm. in any form or in any way that it manifests itself, mm -hmm. right? Like birthing a new product into the world is enough to scratch the itch. Yeah. You know, just the same way that like publishing a poem is right. for me right. or editing a podcast or mm -hmm. something is for someone else. So I totally get what you're saying about that. And, you know, I would, I would label you an artist, but oh. I understand <laughs> that if, uh, if you don't want the label, you don't need it. I reject the label. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Okay. Thank you for coming in. Thank I you. I really appreciate it. Thank it's you. It's always a pleasure to see you and to have this wonderful chat. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Beautiful. Goodbye. Keep up with Ajay and follow him on Twitter at Ajay Mehta and Instagram at Ajay.m. If you like this show, the one you're listening to right now, please follow us on Instagram at youpeople.podcast and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. If you like me, your host, follow at Kareem on Instagram. And if you're interested in hearing more colorful stories, follow us at hyphen media. This episode of You People is presented in partnership with Listening Party. Follow the rest of the crew on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Till next time. Peace out.